nobody wants that next door to them. Concerns about neighborhood safety after a fire at a licensed grow-up in Langley. It's definitely coming up. (laughs) Fears of flooding in the Fraser Valley as water levels continue to rise. It's not weak to be sad. It's not weak to, to be hurting. And the powerful message from a family losing a loved one to drug addiction. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, concerns tonight after a marijuana grow up has gone up in flames in Langley. The fire last night left it completely destroyed. Now there's concerns about safety, especially as we're so close to new pot laws coming in. Tanya Beja reports. A Langley barn consumed by flames. It was pretty crazy. We were just uh, all sitting outside and then we noticed there was huge flames shooting up in the sky. You could see it running throughout the barns and it was going up higher. It was probably exceeding the top of those trees at the very top, so probably at least 80 to 100 feet high. The blaze erupted around 9.45 Saturday night. Ten trucks and nearly 40 firefighters responded. When we arrived on scene, we found a barn that was about 60 feet in width by about 350, maybe a little larger in length. And uh, it was fully involved. The back half of the barn was already starting to collapse. The building on 256th Street was once a poultry barn, but converted into a licensed marijuana grow operation. Fire crews say tackling a grow up comes with challenges, including electrical concerns. There's lots of electrical power in there, high voltage, and uh, and. Sometimes access is difficult, too, because uh, they're so compartmentalized to to keep the people out and the heat and the resources in and whatnot. And we never know if if they're professionally wired. It's not the first time a licensed facility has gone up in flames. In April, two people died after equipment used to heat plants sparked a fire at this medicinal grow up in Surrey. And earlier this year, the Fire Chiefs Association of BC wrote a letter to the province outlining concerns that licensed medicinal cannabis growing has been shown to have as many issues as illicit cannabis growing. With legalization looming, neighbours say they want production plants moved elsewhere. You never want to grow up near your area and stuff, right? Especially when it's just such a nice area. I think it should be in a industrial location and stuff where it should be controlled over somewhere like this. There's an elementary school, you know, like 200 meters from here, right? So, you know, they should definitely put in industrial areas and not have it where people live. Fire crews remained on scene Sunday, putting out hot spots and investigating the cause. Tanya Beja, Global News. Now, while floodwaters are receding in some parts of the province, they are rising in others. The level of the lower Fraser is slowly creeping up, raising concerns now for a lot of people that live along the river in Metro Vancouver. Paul Johnson reports on that tonight. Take a look at those coveted riverside campsites at Langley's Derby Reach Park today. There's no mistaking the Fraser's spring freshet is underway the possibility of much more to come. Maybe another uh, two feet, three feet. Joe Yateman and his three teacup chihuahuas have been coming down each spring for years. He's not worried, but if the trend continues, he wonders if we may see extensive flooding. I think this year. Oh, really? Yeah. From its interior headwaters to Delta, 
the Fraser is running high and fast, breaching its banks at some of the lowest spots, and river watchers are reporting the waters are unusually full of debris, including entire trees with their root balls. BC's River Forecast Center has issued a high stream flow advisory for the main stem of the Fraser River and warned the waters may continue to rise well into the coming week. Now we biked through it going out and now it's higher than it was about three hours ago. So. Though they're watching it closely, lower mainland municipalities aren't sounding any alarms yet. With its extensive network of dikes and pumping stations, low-lying Richmond is theoretically prepared to cope with a once in 500 years flood. Down at Richmond's floating home communities on the Fraser's south arm, most here tell us they've just been calmly watching the big rise and fall of the river over the weekend with no problems. For some though, the biggest issue has been those prying news cameras that keep coming by. <laughs> Paul Johnson, Global News. And members of the Canadian military hard at work in the central Okanagan again today, helping to protect homes and businesses from rising floodwaters. As Megan Takato now reports, the main threat is no longer from creeks and rivers, but actually coming from the Okanagan Lake itself. They're usually tasked with fighting fires, but today these wildfire contractors are fighting back against the rising water level in Okanagan Lake filling sandbags in West Kelowna's Green Bay. Essentially what we're going to do in Green Bay is sandbag the entire perimeter of the bay. That's a lot of uh, work that needs to be done in a short period of time. So we asked the province to see about getting us some help. That call for help answered not just with wildfire crews, but also members of the armed forces who've turned this Green Bay cul-de-sac into a sandbagging factory to build barriers along Okanagan Lake. So we are above full pool now and we expect it to go up further. Exactly how much further will depend on a variety of factors, including the weather. But officials are preparing for a scenario where the water rises almost half a metre more. With the snowpack still to come down, we know that we are going to get higher lake levels. So we're asking people to protect their properties now to the level that we did last year. Green Bay resident Gary Gillichuk lives on Okanagan Lake. He remembers last year's flood all too well. Last year was a mess. We had uh, the water came up substantially higher. The front of my property, we put about 6,000 sandbags. So this year, he's happy to see extra sandbagging support for his neighbourhood. Luckily, and thankfully, the government realised that we needed help. Uh, it was it be impossible for the neighbours to do it on their own, so they brought in the military, as you can see, and we're very thankful for them. Uh, they're sandbagging for us. But emergency officials stress the central purpose of the government's sandbagging support here is to protect public infrastructure. And in general, homeowners are still responsible for putting up defences against the rising water themselves. Megan Dercato, Global News, West Kelowna. And welcome relief today for Grand Forks residents as evacuation orders have been rescinded for 175 properties with floodwaters receding. Officials now say it is safe for about 350 people to return to their homes and businesses. Once road access is restored again, people on several hundred other undamaged properties will be allowed back too. There are still 39 properties though in the Grand Forks area that have been issued hazard notices and that is because of the damage around those properties. Residents are being urged to leave sandbags in place in case waters rise again later in the week. 
A young couple from New Zealand have experienced both the best and the worst of Canadians. Just hours before they were about to leave home, their car, with all their valuables inside, was stolen. But as Jill Bennett reports now, that is when others stepped in to help in a really big way. We had all of our stuff packed in the car, right? So It was at home. Brad Hawkins and Molly Tame had just wrapped up a three-week road trip in their 1998 Burgundy Chevy Malibu when they parked it in an underground lot on Denman Street to take one last bike ride around Stanley Park. My first uh, thought was, oh, my car's towed. But the car had been stolen, and because they'd been living in it since wrapping up their winter working vacation, everything except their cell phones and the swimsuits they were wearing was gone. Camera, laptop, GoPro, uh, jewellery, pretty much everything, everything that we own. All sentimental stuff, journals. The couple was left with no money, no ID, and no idea what they would do next. But as the story got out, something they didn't expect happened. Complete strangers started stepping in to help them. One from Vancouver Island. I just embraced them and um, brought them home and gave them a, a bed and some clothes and some food and and we toured them around Victoria and uh, took them out for Brad's birthday dinner and we just had a wonderful experience with them. We can't thank them enough. We hope to repay them one day because without them this last week, we couldn't even imagine what we would have done for this last week without these guys. Stephen says it was a group effort helping the couple out, but clearly they formed a friendship. I wanted them to leave with a good impression of Canada, not a bad impression. The car has been reported stolen, but so far, no sign. Also a blow as Molly and Brad were planning to give it to another traveler when they were done. They were able to get emergency passports and leave Vancouver Saturday night with a new phrase in mind. A lot of people, um, they say they're paying it forward. And uh, it's really changed our outlook on the whole situation. And we will definitely be using that expression throughout our travels for the, for the rest of our lives, that's for sure. Jill Bennett, Global News. The BC Conservation Officer Service is cracking down in the backcountry this long weekend. In a series of tweets they've put out, they've, conservation officers even, have documented liquor busts from suspected impaired drivers. This was the haul from enforcement patrols in the East Kootenay last night. More seizures in Terrace where crews found 90% of hunters and boaters on backroads were not following liquor and hunting rules. Skeena conservation officers issuing several tickets for open liquor in vehicles and in the Peace region. Backcountry patrols finding lots of abandoned and smouldering campfires. They're urging people to put them out before leaving. A young mother is sharing a powerful message tonight about mental illness and drug addiction. She's hoping it's going to save lives. She lost a soulmate and the father of her two-year-old daughter to a dangerous habit that he tried to keep hidden. Kristen Robinson has the story. He said, I love you guys. He said, give Squish a kiss for me and tell her that sometimes the right thing isn't always the easiest. And he goes, take care, eh? And that was it. Those words in a text spelled heartbreak for Cheyenne Anastasio and her young daughter. I didn't know that <laughs> That was the last message he'd ever send me. <laughs> March 25th, 2018. Life had become too much for Travis Pierce. Two-year-old Elena, now growing up without a father. He was just such a charismatic guy. And he was super 
charming and always smiling. Cheyenne knew Travis from high school, and they fell in love fast when she met him again in the summer of 2014. He crept his way into my heart really fast. Slowly, Travis shared his struggles. He'd battled anxiety and depression since high school, suffering concussions during rugby, and eventually having to give up the sport he loved. When Cheyenne learned she was pregnant, she gave Travis the choice to walk away. And he looked at me, he goes, I wasn't raised like that, Cheyenne. I'm going to be here for you. And uh, he tried. He really tried. Three months after Elena was born, Travis's mental health went downhill. He lost his job, and his behavior became so erratic, Cheyenne asked him to leave. That's when he called me and said, Cheyenne, I'm in rehab. I have had issues with, with cocaine. For the next two years, Travis was in and out of treatment. When clean, he was a great dad. Ooh, happy Father's Day! And so it just became this cycle where he would do really well and then he would crash. By mid-2017, Cheyenne says Travis's descent into addiction involved dodging death with fentanyl. He was so sick, she had to get a court order to keep him away from their daughter. <laughs> it was the hardest thing I could ever do. Travis ultimately decided he couldn't win the battle. Cheyenne hopes his story will encourage others to open up about their demons before it's too late. It's not weak to be sad. It's not weak to, to be hurting. It's strong, actually, if you're, if you're able to talk about it and want to change. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The annual Cloverdale, Cloverdale Rodeo is well underway. Today there was a protest there, though, from animal rights activists. Animals are actually very terrified to be in these rodeo events. Now, they were at the entrance to the fairgrounds this afternoon. They're claiming that these types of events leave a lot of animals killed or injured every year. We believe that the rodeo is animal cruelty and that they are exploiting these animals and they are putting these animals into positions where they would otherwise never be in. They receive the very best care, the very best veterinary care, the very best food, and they work about eight seconds uh, a week or a month in some cases. So for less than two minutes a year, they receive absolutely exceptional year-round care and in many cases are considered to be part of the extended family of the, the families that own them. The rodeo runs through tomorrow at the Cloverdale Fairgrounds. It was a gripping story that caught the attention of the entire country. A woman from Coquitlam spending a frightening two days lost in the wilderness. She's now sharing her story in a new book. Annette and Marcel Poitras invited friends and family and first responders to their backyard. Uh, that is where they launched three dog nights. The search and rescue of Annette Poitras. It describes how she went missing while walking three dogs. And it was those dogs, especially uh, the one called Roxy, who Annette says saved her life. And she laid right against me, my whole body. And she was shivering, I was shivering. And I just took my raincoat off and put it beside her. And she stuck by me all night. You know, we're six months away exactly to the day. Um, so it's nice to kind of reflect back and say, you know what, that's in the past, let's look forward and, you know, good things are happening. 100% of the book proceeds will be going to search and rescue groups that helped to find her. Welcome back. Well, wildlife officials in Washington state are baffled by the behavior of a cougar that killed a man and injured another on Saturday. It stalked and attacked the pair while they were mountain biking.
The cyclists were miles back into the forest on rough gravel roads. One of the victims hears a scream from the partner. He looks back and sees that they're being chased by a cougar. The pair stopped and tried to scare the animal off, exactly what experts say to do. But still, it attacked the first man. He was able to escape, but had no cell service. Uh, before leaving the area, he looked back and saw his friend, and the, the cougar was attacking his friend, and uh, he wasn't able to, to go back and help him. The man that rode out survived. The second did not. One of the bikes remained as officers looked for the animal before they could recover the body. Officials warned people to stay away while they searched. Me and my son are going to go hiking up in the mountains. Still, some came, like John Sawatsky. One of the main reasons I own a pistol is for self-defense when I'm hiking in the woods. Um, I'm not sure I'd be fast enough for a mountain lion, to be honest with you, though. Mountain lions come out of nowhere. It was a snap of reality, you know, how wild it is out here. Others say they've seen cougars in the area before. Steve Mickle caught one on his trail camera in the same area a few weeks ago. He stops and turns his head, then he walks across. There's no way to tell if that was the same animal, but officers shot and killed the cougar they believe is to blame in the afternoon. Fish and Wildlife says it's only the second fatal cougar attack statewide in 100 years. So it's extremely rare uh, for this kind of thing to have occurred, and, and horribly unfortunate. Rare, but possible when venturing into the wild. Yeah, you got to be ready for things like that when you come out in the woods. Investigators are trying to find the cause of a massive fire that's left dozens of families homeless in Manitoba. Oh, wow. An office supply store going up in flames in downtown Brandon yesterday. It quickly spread to at least three other buildings, including a 58-unit social housing complex. Close to 150 people have had to register at an evacuation centre. Additional crews had to be called in from outside Brandon to help control this huge blaze. No reports that anybody was hurt. And in Calgary, it was wind that quickly spread this fire from one property to another. Three homes severely damaged. One woman who was trying to help neighbours was treated for smoke inhalation. Close to half a dozen homes had to be evacuated as a precaution. An investigation now underway to find out what caused this blaze. The Mexican charter airline that crashed in Cuba on Friday, killing more than 100, was the subject of a number of safety investigations. The Boeing 737 went down shortly after takeoff, landing in a field near Havana International Airport. 110 people were killed. Amazingly, three people survived. They're still in a critical condition. The Mexican company that owned the plane has been the subject of two serious complaints about its crew's performance over the last decade. Those complaints including dangerous overloading of luggage. The plane was being chartered by Cuba's state-run airline, Cubana. And Cuban officials also announcing that they've recovered one of the black boxes from the plane. An American team of experts from Boeing now helping investigators. Santa Fe, Texas is a community in shock and in mourning tonight. The first funeral has been held for one of the 10 victims of Friday's school shooting. And once again, the massacre stirring up a huge debate over gun control. 
Two days after a gunman shot and killed eight students and two teachers at Santa Fe High School, 17-year-old Sabika Sheikh, an exchange student from Pakistan, was remembered in a service at a mosque near Houston. Her body is being returned to her family in Karachi for burial. This tragedy has renewed the national debate over gun control. On Facebook, Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo expressed sadness and frustration and declared that he had, quote, hit rock bottom on the issue. People at the state level and the federal level and too many places in our country are not doing anything other than offering prayers. Democratic Senator Mark Warner of Virginia urged his Republican colleagues to do something. We're the only nation in the world that has this many guns awash in our society, and consequently we have more of these tragedies than any other nation around. Texas's Republican lieutenant governor wants to harden schools. We need our teachers to be armed. Uh, we, you know, when you have, when you're facing someone who's an active shooter, uh, the best way to take that shooter down is with a gun. Uh, but even better than that is four or five guns to one. The suspected gunman, 17-year-old Demetrios Pogorchis, remains jailed on capital murder charges. Investigators say they're still working to establish a motive. Omar Villafranca, CBS News, Santa Fe, Texas. The race to become Premier of Ontario is very much on right now. The Ontario NDP, led by Andrea Horvath, has surged to within a percentage point of Doug Ford's progressive Conservatives in the latest opinion poll. The PC party has lost a 12 percentage point lead in the last few weeks. Current Premier Kathleen Wynne's Liberals sit a distant third. They just have 24 percent support. Voters going to the polls on June the 7th. All right. Away from politics, uh, lots of sport and weather to get in with Barry and Yvonne. It was a really funny day today. I thought it was going to be quite cold. It was very cloudy and all of a sudden the sun came out. It just took a little longer. Yeah. To uh, we did start off with more cloud cover today. Uh, we're back into some sunshine. It'll stick around as we round off our long weekend. And temperatures, a big weather story. Here's a glance at some of the current numbers and what we're seeing. We're at 19 degrees out of the airport into the low 20s for much of the interior. Central interior for Prince George currently sitting at 16 and Prince Rupert at 13 degrees. Temperatures will be on the rise, especially for the southern interior. Long-range forecast as we look ahead towards next week. I'll have more on that coming up very shortly. And we'll look at your long weekend forecast tomorrow too. All right, lovely, Yvonne. And what's happening in sport? Well, they're very sad in Winnipeg because oh. uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights have sent the Jets packing. Do you believe the Golden Knights... It's, uh, we know they're good. They're a good team, but it's still hard to believe that an expansion team is going to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, Canuck fans who've been suffering for, you know, 40-some, 40 45 years uh, realize how hard it is to get there, and Vegas does in its first year as well. The highlights of that, but on the uh, good news hockey front, Chilliwack Chiefs are playing for the RBC Cup right now in Chilliwack. They're late in the third, and they're winning. So maybe... Maybe a championship for, for BC and for Canada today. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Good evening. It's looking good over at the Lionsgate Bridge in both directions on the bridge deck itself, where you will find a little bit of congestion is past the south end near the Lost Lagoon in both directions. Hearing life, new look, same experts. The signs are changing, but their people and their commitment remain the same. Hearinglife.ca, your hearing is their expertise. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Thank you very much, Trish. All right, Britain's Prince Harry and his new bride are spending their first full day as a royal couple. No, no their problem. wedding Talk hitting the later. headlines all over the world for being very modern with an American twist. 
When Meghan and Harry return to their cottage right here at Kensington Palace, it will be as husband and wife after dancing the night away. Meghan Markle, now Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Sussex, stepping out before the cameras Saturday night in this dazzling dress by Stella McCartney. The pair speeding off to their evening reception in an open-top Jaguar. Fireworks capping off the festivities. If Meghan was at all nervous about arriving to Windsor Saturday, that morning the American actress hit it well. The pageantry stunning the world and this page boy, the bride elegant in her Givenchy gown, her silk veil stretching more than 16 feet, a diamond tiara on loan from the Queen. Prince Charles walking Meghan halfway down the aisle. Harry mouthing, thank you, Pa. His first words to Meghan, you look amazing. Proud mom, Doria Ragland, fighting back tears. A modern fairy tale with an American twist. Imagine this tired old world when love is, is the way, when, when love is the way, unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive, when love is the way, then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. This American pastor's impassioned speech was clearly not the more sober, serious sermon the royals were used to. 600 well-wishers packed St. George's Chapel. Those whom God has joined together, let no one put asunder. Outside, more than 100,000 well-wishers celebrated the pair as they sealed their magical marriage with a kiss. Lucy Kafanov, NBC News, London. All right, the first annual Vancouver Grand Prix equestrian, equestrian event has kicked off today. There's show jumping, polo matches, and free pony rides for the kids. It's right here in the heart of downtown. Our community reporter, Michael Newman, is at that event with uh, everything that's going on. Hi, Michael. Hello. Yes, it's been a great showcase of equestrian sport right here in the middle of downtown Vancouver. We're right behind the Queen Elizabeth Theater in, in a parking lot, and they brought in over 500 tons of silica sand just for this event. Joining me right now, I have Jane Tidball from the Thunderbird Show Park. So tell me, why did you guys think this would be a great event for the community? Well, it's the first uh, time that we've done a show right in Vancouver City. And we really look at it as the grassroots for spectators, as well as we've got horses here for our Nations Cup event in two weeks' time. So you've got some of the best horses from different nations here already. So we wanted to expose uh, Vancouver citizens to the dynamic sport that we are so passionate and love so much. Yes, and earlier we had a polo match and that was just even crazy to see three, it was a three on three match I think yeah. but it's a it's a rowdy sport, right? Yeah, oh yeah, you've got like a 1200 pound horse under you and if you want somebody out of the way, you just take your horse and push him out of the way and take the ball. It's a, it's a fun sport. And with, with something like uh, equestrian horse jumping, is it, a, is it a lot of work to get it to this point for the, for the show? Yeah, my uh, daughter, for example, just uh, won a Nations Cup show and she's 40 years old. She's been spending her whole life trying to get to that point. So, yeah, they start small on ponies, young kids, and that's who we're trying to attract into the grassroots of the sport. And uh, then they work their way up and uh, train horses and breed horses and uh, come along the route to, to getting a champion. Yeah, well, this is such a great event. I mean, awesome turnout. As you can see behind me, the crowd is there. And the event is still happening for a couple more hours. So if you want to enjoy your Sunday and enjoy the horses, come on down. Back to you. Thank you very much for that, Michael. It looks pretty good. Thank you. All right, everybody's done a little bit of air guitar in the bathroom sometimes. Some rock fans in Saskatoon have put their inhibitions aside for a chance at national and even international glory.
Yeah, these air guitar enthusiasts rocking out for a chance to go on to the national championships in Toronto. Contestants jamming for 60 seconds to a song of their choice. Uh, then there was a panel of judges who had to narrow it all down uh, to the top five. A winner then chosen from there. My favorite part is, uh, yeah, probably the adrenaline you experience when you're on stage and uh, making people laugh and just uh, having a good time and like, yeah, having something to do in community that isn't, uh, yeah, necessarily uh, expensive, but you know, it's, uh, it's affordable and it's family friendly and it's just great. The nice thing about it is that anybody can do it, right? And it's super fun and yeah, just it's so it's so accessible but the people who win generally do have a routine down they have a character like it's almost like professional wrestling meets music um the air guitar world championships takes place in finland in august yvonne i didn't even know there was such a thing it's the first time i've seen it as well yeah i like the costumes or the character the outfits that they have though maybe it helps them yeah it's good play more i don't know <laughs> anyway it's a lovely day again today Yes, we uh, did see more cloud cover this morning, and we have a few clouds still lingering for the evening hours, and then a clearing will be on the way as we progress throughout the afternoon tomorrow. But another dry one, and the temperatures are on the rise. Looking ahead, I'll have more with your long range. Here's the cloud cover that we're seeing overlooking the North Shore Mountains, 19 degrees out of the airport, a southeasterly wind light at 13 kilometers per hour. High today was at 20 degrees, above our average that sits at 17. On the Almanac record-wise, 24 degrees was set back in 19. 63. 25 is the high for areas near Kamloops today, similar for Soyuz. Trail climbing up to 26 degrees, the Peace at 24. Campbell River today at 16 in areas near Victoria up to 18 degrees. Current temperature still sitting at 18 for West Van, 19 for Burnaby, 19 for Pitt Meadows. Surrey with your current temperature at 20 degrees, Aldergrove at 18, and areas near Chilliwack and Hope also at 18 degrees. Current temperature for Revelstoke at 22, Quinnell 16. Good evening into Victoria at 14, and for Port Hardy at 13, Whistler at 16 degrees. We do still have some instability this evening, and we are seeing it across the north coast with rain developing or heavier at times for the overnight. And across the central interior, still seeing the potential or the risk of thunderstorms for the evening, and then they'll start to ease off with a much calmer day for tomorrow, and that'll be across the central and southern half of the province. The rain this evening will be be heavy at times overnight for the north coast and then tapering off once again on your Tuesday. Temperatures will be on the rise for the southern interior. Here's a snapshot of the temperature trend Wednesday, Thursday, and even leading in towards our Fridays when we'll start to see the peak of the temperatures. For the piece tomorrow, up to 26 degrees, a southwesterly wind with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour and even warmer on your Wednesday underneath cloud cover in 28. White horse up to 13, gusty winds up to 50 kilometers per hour with the chance of showers tomorrow. Coastal sections will see it rain and heavy at times. Uh, winds, especially near the water, potentially up to 50 kilometers per hour. Tuesday, Wednesday, still remaining unsettled. Caribou and Central Interior up to 22 degrees tomorrow, 28 midweek on your Wednesday. Columbia Kootenai will be up to 27 degrees. A very slight chance to see an isolated shower, and then it's Tuesday, Wednesday, with highs of 29 degrees. Thompson, Okanagan tomorrow at 26. The UV index at 6 or high. Most areas near Whistler will be up to 
23. That range for Pemberton up to 27 and into the low 30s for both your Tuesday and Wednesday. Across the island, northern sections will still see more cloud cover for the morning hours, a clearing for the afternoon, and then most areas across the island will be underneath the mainly sunny sky. And similar for Metro Vancouver, we'll still have a few clouds in the mix and then a clearing by the afternoon. Temperatures Tuesday, Wednesday could see highs inland up to 25 and 27. Getting warm. Sonia? All right. Thanks very much for that. All right, let's catch up with all your sport right now uh, with Barry. And I saw George W. Bush at, at the golf tournament. Well, he's from, so, from Texas, and oh. he's in Texas. We'll have a little bit of that later. Okay. Not from, not from W, but we'll show actual yeah. golf highlights. All right, thanks, Sonny. It's uh, Vegas, baby. The Golden Knights fairy tale story just keeps getting better. We know they're really good, and they're tenacious, and they're talented. But still, expansion team and Stanley Cup finalist usually don't go in the same sentence. But it does now. The Golden Knights walked into Winnipeg today and beat the Jets for the fourth straight time to take the Western Conference Final Series in five. And they'll now face either Tampa or Washington for the Stanley Cup. Jets' home ice advantage has been taken away somewhat in the last two rounds, which just shows you the venue doesn't play much factor once you get deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs. But it was another whiteout. Vegas is good at turning down the volume. How many times have they forced mistake on the Jets and then punished them for it? Josh Morrissey with the turnover. Alex Tuck turns and fires before Connor Hellebuck knew it hit him. one nothing. Golden Knights. Jets looking to get it back. Dustin Bufflin walks in alone but can't slide it through Fleury. Safe to say Marc-Andre Fleury's been the difference in this series. But finally, late in the first, clean draw win by Brian Little. Josh Morrissey hammers it past Fleury, ties the game, and gets the Jets crowd whipped into a frenzy. 1-1 after 1, and the Jets are right back in it. Second period, Vegas fourth line with a huge play. Lucas Bisa, the former Canuck with the shot, tipped in by Winnipeg boy Ryan Reeves. Cruel irony. His first of the playoffs... Pretty good timing from Reeves. He's a big boy, but he's uh, played very well since being inserted into the lineup late in the last series. 2-1 Vegas. Third period, best chance for the Jets. Kyle Connor from the slot, but Flurry so rock solid, squares up, takes it off the mask. Vegas just put it on lockdown after that. They take it 2-1. They're going to the cup finals. First expansion team in the modern era to do that. St. Louis Blues did it in 68, but all six teams in the Blues Conference were expansion teams, so one of them was going to go to the finals. Knights away the winner of Washington and Tampa. What a story. Four wins away from an incredible ending. RBC Cup final from Chilliwack. The host Chiefs and Skylar Brindamore, son of Rod, taking on the Wellington Dukes of Ontario. Chiefs looking for their first ever national title. Down one nothing in the second, but tied up. Caden Pickering, perfect redirection of the Corey Andonovsky feed. It's 1-1. Late second, Chiefs have a great chance to take the lead, but Adam Berg robbed by Duke's goalie Jonah Capriotti somehow sticks out that pad to keep it out. Still tied 1-1. A minute to go in the second. Chiefs on the power play, but it's a fantastic rush by Mitchell Martin. Slides it under Chief goalie Daniel Chenard. 2-1 Wellington after two, but the Chiefs come out hard in the third period and they tie it. Tommy Lee drops to Brian Albee. His shot tipped in front by Captain Will Calverly. We've got ourselves a 2-2 tie. And then a few minutes later, Corey Andonofsky will give the Chiefs their first lead of the game. Won't be denied. Follows his own rebound. 3-2 Chiefs. And they keep on coming. Dukes rim the puck around their own net, but 
Can't control it, and it's a big turnover. P.J. Morocco to Tommy Lee. They turn it into an instant goal. 4-2 Chilliwack. And that was the final as they win the RBC Cup, the first national championship for the Chiefs. So congrats to the entire organization. Great tournament, and of course, capping it off with the victory. Connor McDavid, Team Canada, playing for bronze against the U.S. today at the World Championships. The Americans beat Canada in a shootout in the opening game of the tournament 16 days ago. No scoring until the second. Chris Kreider capitalizing on a bad bounce. As he will stick handle around Curtis McElhinney, who actually played well today for Canada. Goaltending was a weak point during the tournament for Canada for the most part. They do draw even before the period's out. Kyle Turvis and Bo Horvat combined to set up Mark Edward Vlasic. Nice play by Bo, who had a very strong tournament. 1-1 after two. Stayed that way until mid-third. Former Canuck Nick Bonino will win the face-off and then cashes in on the Patrick Kane rebound. A power play goal for the Americans. They added a pair of empty netters. And the USA skate away with the bronze medal game 4-1. First time in four years that Canada leaves the world without a medal. And Anders Nilsson and Sweden taking on Switzerland for gold. Second period tied at one. Swiss on the power play. San Jose Shark forward Timo Meyer down the right wing. Snaps it past Nilsson. 2-1 Switzerland. But the Swedes tie it on a power play of their own. Mika Zabanajad fires past Swiss goalie Leonardo Ginoni, who single-handedly beat Canada yesterday. Ties it at two. Stayed that way through the third and a 20-minute overtime. So we need a shootout. Tied at one, fourth shooter, Philip Forsberg, scores, beats Giannone. So Nino Niederreiter has to score to keep the Swiss alive. Nilsson won just one shootout during the regular season late in the year, makes the big save there, and the celebration is on. Sweden wins gold, Switzerland silver. Great tournament for Nilsson. Hopefully he brings that momentum to Canucks camp in the fall. Memorial Cup from Regina. The host Pats taking on Quebec champion Acadie Bathurst Titan. The goal's fast and furious in the first. Already one all just five minutes in. Ethan Crossman rips the wrister. 2-1 Acadie Bathurst. And then 17 seconds later, the Quebec champs get another. Liam Murphy bangs in the rebound. Three goals in 81 seconds. It was 7-2 at one point, but Regina has cut it to 7-5 late in the third. Welcome back. CFL training camps open today across the country. And for Wally Buono, this will be his 45th and last training camp, either as a player, coach, or general manager. Wally is just the head coach now, letting Ed Herbie take care of all the contract and player personnel moves. Wally's not the sentimental type, but he's very appreciative of everything the CFL's given to him. You have an end to everything. I, I uh, you know, remember my uh, last day as a player. Uh, you know, do I regret it? No. I mean, you know, my time was up then. And, uh, you know, after a successful 2018 uh, season, uh, my time will be up and I'll enjoy what I've accomplished. I've enjoyed uh, being a part of, of a great league. And uh, I've been around a lot of very, very good people who have been good to me. Blue Jays trying to avoid the sweep at home to the Oakland A's. But Toronto scuffling right now. Already 3-0 Oakland in the fifth. Marcus Simeon, two-run homer. Oakland would open up a 9-0 lead. And that made John Gibbons dig deep into the bullpen, as in D.H. Kendris Morales. And Morales did a decent job. He walked one, but didn't give up a run in the ninth inning that he pitched. Fly out to end the inning. Have something for the fans to cheer about on a weekend that... 
Saw the Jays lose all three. They fall 9-2 today. Tennis now, Rafa Nadal looking for his eighth Italian Open title in Rome, taking on 21-year-old Alex Zverev, probably the best young player on tour right now, seated second in this tourney, has won back-to-back events, but Rafa took him apart in the opening set, 1-6-1. Nadal nearly 11 years older than Zverev, but Zverev answers right back. He rolls Rafa 6-1 in the second. The young German has certainly got some game. Now, Nadal was down 3-2 in the third, down a break when there was a lengthy rain delay. And that seemed to help Nadal, who came out firing when they resumed, puts it away with conviction at the net to get the break. And then on match point, Nadal shows he's not ready to relinquish his crown yet. With the victory, Nadal overtakes Roger Federer for the number one world ranking. French Open begins next Sunday, and Nadal will be favored to win that yet again. Milos Raonic, by the way, has pulled out of the French Open, saying he needs to work on his game. Final round of the AT&T, Byron Nelson from Dallas. Four-hour rain delay, forced late tee times. 21-year-old Aaron Wise looking for his first tour win, showing no signs of nerves. Birdie putt there at the 10th. That was his sixth birdie in a seven-hole span. Opened up a four-shot lead, and the kid cruised home. Taps in for 18 for the win. Finishes at 23 under, three better than Mark Leishman. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor had a solid week, finished at 9 under, good for 32nd place. Final round of the LPGA's Kingsmill Championship from Virginia. Canada's Brooke Henderson making a big charge late. Her approach on 16. In this third round, she's four under on a Right at the pin and nearly goes in for an eagle. She would tap that in for birdie. Up to fourth place now, just two off the lead. And then at 17, from 30 feet, Brooke with a perfect read, knocks in another birdie, but that's as close as she got. Finished solo fourth, one shot back. Aria Jutanagarn won in a playoff. Finally tonight, it was the season finale of Saturday Night Live, and it did really go out with a bang. One of the highlights, a look at what might have been going on at Prince Harry and Meghan's evening reception. What's up? It's your boy, Harry Windsor, a.k.a. Ron Sleasley. Yeah, official wedding video 2018. It's 2 a.m., royal reception still growing strong. Meghan's out in the hallway trying to stop some of the, her white relatives from getting in because they're mental. But let's see who's hanging out, right? Everybody's here. All right, what, what about you? What's your name? Uh, Deshaun. I'm, I'm from Meghan's side of the family. All right, kind of figured that, yeah. right? Uh, how are you feeling tonight? Uh, outnumbered, but good, man. Yeah. Like so, oh, sis-in-law, Kate Middleton, right? Look a little tipsy, Kate. Well, yeah, you know, for the past six years, I've been, like, pregnant the whole time, so I'm going hard tonight. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. How much have you had? <laughs> they all did a very, very good British accent, can I just say? Uh, really good. You've got to catch the whole thing. And, of course, uh, Trump was parodied and, uh, and Robert De Niro was in there, Mike Cohen was in there. So it was, it was uh, really, really good. The season finale is usually pretty darn good on SN. Yes. Um, thank you very much for watching. Uh, have a lovely evening and we'll try and see you back, or you can try and see us back here tonight at <laughs> no, 11. we can see them. <laughs>